My, my family flew uh, a while ago, and we were flying back from Dallas to Junction. And have you ever had a flight that just went great? Yeah. That's how you hope they go, right? You're all here, so I'm assuming um, at least they went pretty well, you know? Um, but the flight, it was on time. That's always nice, right? And we had just enough of a layover to relax a little bit, grab a bite to eat, but not too much, so you're not bored sitting in the airport. And then we walk up, my family, and this has only happened to me twice in my lifetime, and never with my family. Uh, we walk up, hand them our boarding passes to go get on, and they're like, oh, your family's been upgraded to first class. <laughs> Cha-ching! Sweet, right? <clears throat> and so we board, we're like, whoa, really? I don't know how or why, um, but they put us in the front of the plane. There wasn't that many people on the plane. And my kids were going crazy because it was the first time they had ever flown first class. Only like, I've been one other time I got upgraded when I was flying by myself. And uh, so, and I'm like, shh, shh, there's other people that paid to be up here because they're kind of like taking their phones out and trying to video. We're in first class. I'm like, put them away, right? Um, It was cool. Uh, So the flight back, smooth, on time, sipping a nice beverage, they come and refill it. You know, it's like, wow, this is, this is the life, right? And then we, we cruise in and kind of bank around Grand Junction, and the city lights are just perfect, and the flight lands, and our ride was there, and that's how life, if life were a flight, that's how we want life to be like, right? But unfortunately, life is often more like another flight I had a while back. Uh, we, this was when my, uh, my son, who's now 11, was a toddler, 18 months we had an all-night flight, red-eye, and um, just, again, through Dallas, woke up in, in, or not woke up, well, you sleep for like an hour, right, sort of, um, and then you wake up, get out, and then you have this layover where you can barely keep your eyes open. It's just miserable, and a fussy toddler, and finally, you get on your flight coming back, and I remember just like, oh, whew, we're almost home, and they announce, as we're, as we're getting ready to land in Grand Junction, they announce, um, we're on our final approach. And so I'm like, whew, good thing, because my toddler's getting fussy. I'm ready to get home, put him to bed, take a nap myself, right? It's the morning at this point. And as we land, we just keep flying and flying and flying. And I'm looking out there, and it's, you can't see anything, just clouds. I'm like, what's going on? And finally, they come on and say, hey, we're so sorry, because of fog, we had to divert to Denver. No! (laughs) So we get off the plane. The next flight, it's like 10 in the morning. The next flight is 11 p.m. I've got a fussy toddler who's now getting a fever. And so I get on my phone, and, and I rent like the last available car going out of Denver. And we ended up driving all the way back from Denver home instead. It was miserable. Um, And oftentimes, life feels a lot more like that airplane flight, doesn't it? (laughs) Like you think you've got everything set, it's going to be smooth sailing, and before you know it, your plans change, right? You're you're going in a whole different direction. You don't know. You're, You're looking out the window just trying to figure out what's going on. Where Where am I at? right? So what I want to talk to you about today is what do you do when what you're seeing or experiencing in life 
in your life of following God. Because if you're a Jesus follower, all of life is following Jesus, right? What, what do you do when your life following Jesus doesn't meet up to what you hoped or expected? What do you do in that situation? You know, there's a common cycle in uh, people's spiritual lives. For many, they, they follow Jesus for the first time. And when they follow Jesus for the first time, maybe this is your story, there was just so much excitement and you were just so in love with them. I mean, it, it was just, you were passionate about Jesus and everything was about him. And every sermon just like spoke to you in amazing ways. And it seems like the silliest little prayers would get answered. And just, just like God was really active in your life and you knew it, right? And then for so many people, somewhere along the way, they, they're growing in maturity, growing towards Jesus. And then um, a bump in the road comes. Maybe it's a prayer in a season that, a season of praying that doesn't get answered. Maybe it's somebody that gets sick and they, they don't get better. And you're just wondering, God, what are you, what are you doing in this, right? Maybe it's a, a relationship that, that you started. I mean, it's not just as you meet Jesus, but in life in, in many different areas, right? I mean, it's a, a relationship you got into and you had so much hope and anticipation, but it didn't go the way that you hoped, and it left you in a lot of pain, actually. Um, it just kind of left you going, where, where do I go next, right? Or maybe it was a, a ministry thing or a business thing that you just felt like God was calling you to, to start, and maybe um, you felt called, but you didn't even know, like, what do I do? How do I even get into this? Or maybe you started, and it was going great, and then before you know it, it there's a bump in the road, um, it's not going as great as you thought it was. There's a dip. You hit a rough patch. Uh, the first year we started the church, we were so excited. We had so much vision to see this thing like grow and take off. And we launched just on Saturday nights because I had another job. I was leading worship at another church on Sunday mornings, right? And they released us to go plant a church on Saturday night. So we were out here at this little event center. And we had all this expectation and a great launch and then it was like pulling teeth trying to get it to happen and I remember I uh, was actually going back looking at some journal entries yesterday as I was studying and I wrote this in April we had launched in January and it's a little vulnerable it's a journal entry I shortened it a little bit for you but here's what I said father I fear life community in its current form isn't gaining momentum but failing is that your plan? I prayed that it wouldn't grow so fast, so quickly that I'd grow prideful or so slowly that I'd lose heart. I'm losing heart. I fear we won't make it through the summer slump. This was my prayer. This was my plan. This next sentence. Should we personally recruit 10 friends to come once a month through August? Like, I don't know how we're going to survive but I got like 50 friends on my phone if I just beg them to come to church just once a month. You don't have to come to church here. Just visit. That was my plan, right? We need some families with grade school kids. Would you provide those? I fear that Saturday nights is not a great time to launch a church, but here we are launched and going four months in now. Lord, I need some fresh vision. You are the God who supplies our needs I believe you led us to launch this when and where we did. Lord, confirm the work of our hands. Nobody felt like that? Some of you feel like that right now. 
Some of you are in a season right now where you're just going, God, um, I, know you, I know you got me into this. How are you going to get me out of this? Or, Lord, I, I know you led me here, but how, what's going on? I don't get it. Or, God, I know you're good, but I just don't get the circumstances of my life. Why did you allow that to happen? Why didn't you step in and move there? Why doesn't it seem like you care about that? And if that's you, you're a lot like the prophet Habakkuk that we've been looking at. We're in a series in the book of Habakkuk, Minor Prophet. The Old Testament, go to Matthew, turn left a little ways. And Habakkuk, his name actually means to embrace or to wrestle. So he's going to wrestle with God over things he doesn't get, over things he doesn't understand. And in the end, he's going to embrace God with faith and trust. It's a beautiful word picture. But really, as he looks at the circumstances around him and his culture, uh, the things that are bothering him are that God doesn't seem to care. That God could act, but it doesn't seem like God is acting. That God says, okay, I'm going to act, don't worry. And he goes, what? That doesn't seem fair. God, you don't seem fair. And these are the things he's wrestling with. As we saw last week, the big things he's wrestling with, first of all, is like, why is there so much wickedness around me in, in, in my people, in God's people? Why does God put up with this? And he asks God, and then God answers him, and God says, oh, I'm not putting up with it. Discipline is coming. I'm going to bring them into exile like I promised hundreds of years ago that if they abandon me and go into idolatry, I'll bring them into exile. And guess what? I'm doing something amazing. This will blow your mind, Habakkuk. I am raising up the Babylonians. And he's, oh, thank you. You remembered. We had you boo last week every time we said Babylonians. You don't have to do that this week. You're raising up who? The Babylonians? What? They're going to boo anyway. I'm going to have to just say those people. You're raising them up? They're way worse. They're way more treacherous. They're, they're awful. We're bad. They're awful. What are you doing, God? doesn't make sense. That doesn't seem fair. And so that was where we left um, Habakkuk, asking God, that doesn't seem fair. Really? That's what you're going to do? And then here's what he says in chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to read through some verses fairly quickly, and then we're going to go back, and we're going to look at three things that help Habakkuk in this season where he's going, what are you doing, God? I don't know what to do, right? Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts, and I will look to see what he, what God, will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. He's like, I'm going to just go wait and seek God and, and wait to hear from him. Verse 2, then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. I want everybody to hear it. Write it down. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come. It will not delay. What I'm about ready to tell you, it will happen in my time, in my way. You can bank on that. See, the enemy is puffed up. He's prideful. He's talking about Babylon. He's prideful and puffed up. 
His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wine betrays him, the Babylonians again. He is arrogant and never at rest. Because he is as greedy as the grave and like death is never satisfied, he gathers himself to himself all the nations and takes captives all the people. And then here's what's going to happen. And this is where God says, here's what's about ready to happen to them. Verse 6. Will not all of them, all of their captives, all of these people they've hauled off into exile, all, all the people who they've oppressed, it says this, will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, whoa. And then God will go on in the rest of this chapter, and we're going to dig into this next week because there's some profound lessons for you and for me when it comes to um, a proper relationship with God, a proper way of relating to God and having our hearts set on God. We're going to see some amazing stuff in the rest of this. But he'll go on to pronounce five different woes on, on Babylon for the different behaviors, for the different actions that they've shown. And he says they're not going to get away from, with it. Justice is coming. They will reap what they have sown. In other words, he's saying, Habakkuk, you just need to... You, you need to pull back a little bit. You have a very close-in perspective, and you need to pull back and see, see the perspective from my perspective because actually they're not going to last very much longer. My judgment is coming on them. In fact, in 539 B.C., an event happens. Daniel writes about it. Daniel the prophet writes about it. Babylon was having a drunken party to an idol god, and a hand appears on a wall predicting their doom. And that very same night, Babylon falls without even a fight. And God says, that's coming. You have to wait for it. He says, it's coming. Other parts will prophesy and say, hey, in 70 years, the remnant, the people, the refined people of God will come back to the land. You need a wider, a broader perspective. And then a little bit later in the chapter, here's, here's what he says. And I just want to highlight this one verse before we go back and and look at some of these individual things. Verse 14, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In other words, Habakkuk, if you see this through my perspective, I'm looking at this through the lens of time, and, and one day, billions and billions of people all over the face of the earth will be worshiping the one true God, will, will have their hearts in allegiance to the one true God. That's where the story's headed. And, you, and all you're seeing right now is the problems and the issues that you're facing and the people and the frustrations and the pain around you. But when you look through a wider perspective, I am doing something and nothing will thwart my purposes. That's the perspective he gives Habakkuk. So that's where the story's going. But I want to pause and just highlight it. I want to go over the first three verses of this chapter a little bit closer. I want to highlight a few things that helped Habakkuk when he was in the situation. A few things that he did that I think are so profound. And things that you and I need to keep in mind and you and I need to do when we're in the situation of going, God, I felt like you were leading me here, but what do I do now? God, I, I know this was you, but it doesn't seem like it's working. God, I had so many hopes and dreams for this, and now it just seems like it's falling apart. God, uh, 
you know, we prayed and prayed for, my, for, for our, our, our children, but I don't know what's going on with them. What do you do in those circumstances? And there's some really key things in here. And here's the first one, Habakkuk 2.1. After he asks God a question, here's what he says. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I'm going to go up on the wall to the place where I'm going to wait on God, right? I will look to see what he will say to me. Oftentimes, the prophet would be given an actual vision, you know, like a, a movie in the mind. He would be given a vision from God showing what would happen. Sometimes God would just speak to him in different ways. And so he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to listen. I'm going to look to see what he'll say to me. I'm going to seek God and I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to seek God and listen. And here's the first thing, that when you're in a situation where you're going, God, what's next? Where do, where do we go? How do we get through this season? Lord, how do we navigate this new reality we're in? The first thing you do is you seek God. You seek God. Jeremiah, he says, search for me with all your heart. If you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you. Jesus says what? Seek. And literally, the, the word is seek and keep on seeking. Don't give up. Just keep seeking, seeking, keep knocking, keep asking, right? Listen to God. And I believe God is a God who speaks to us. And I understand if you're here and you, you, know, you struggle with like, well, does God like communicate to me? I mean, I know God is like, you know, given scripture years ago, but is God really a God who communicates? I understand that if you're skeptical. I've been very skeptical at times too. In fact, maybe for you, some of the weirdest people you know are people that are like, well, I heard God say this and this, and you're like, really? It's like, what do you have, like a direct hotline or something? Because every time you turn around, they're going, well, then God said this. You're like, what? Anybody have some weird, you don't have to, they might be sitting next to you, so don't. Raise your hand. You know some weird people like that, right? Some of the things you're just like, I don't know, that really doesn't add up to me. So let me just say, I'm skeptical too, but here's what I know. Through personal experience of my life and people I know and love and missionaries around the world and pastors and, and everyday people that are following God with all their heart, guess what? <laughs> it's hard to avoid the fact that God is actively in the, in the business of speaking into our lives and guiding and leading so I'm going to spend most of the time, we've got three things for you. I'm going to spend most of our time on this because I think it's so important and something we don't always do well is listen to God. And so I want to talk about some of the ways God speaks to us and how we can listen to him today. And first, the, the first way is this. Um, we, we call this common grace. This is like universal language that God speaks to anybody. It doesn't matter if they're a follower of him or not. In the world, he speaks through creation. Psalmist says, The heavens declare the glory of God, like the skies proclaim the work of his hands. I don't know, we showed a few of those Louis Giglio videos where it looks at the universe and everything, and it's just like amazing. And as you look at that, it's so hard to go, Well, that all just happened by random chance, right? And God says, Actually, if you look at this, it, it declares there's a creator, God. 
fact, in Romans, Paul says this. He says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. In other words, God has put enough information just in his creation that people, if they're paying attention, will seek him. They will say, there must be a God. I want to know this God. There has to be a creator. Some of you have experienced that. We live in western Colorado where you just are out and it's like, wow, God, you're so good. God, you're amazing. Or maybe it's holding your newborn baby. God speaks to people through creation. He, another universal language is wisdom. And wisdom is just really understanding how the creator has designed the, creator to, or the creation to work and then aligning your life. Understanding there's a creator and there's a plan, right? He speaks through wisdom. In fact, one of the most helpful things you can do as you're seeking and facing a decision and wondering, like, where do I go in life? Where do I go? Do I take this step? Don't I take this step? Is this a good thing or not? One of the best things, one of the best questions you can ask is, what is the wise choice? When I think about me, when I think about the situation I'm in, when I, when I know my struggles in the past the things I've struggled with, when I know like the opportunities and you know, the support system I have around me and all of that, is this a wise choice? And so many times, the answer to that question of where should I go, what do I do, what do I do when I don't understand, God answers it. He says, if you ask God for wisdom, he'll give you wisdom. James. And so many times, it's just kind of like, hey, well, this is the way the world works walking that way. Proverbs, we call these uh, principles. Proverbs is full of principles. Now, they're not all promises. They're principles, which means usually the world works this way, right? Usually when you save for retirement, you end up with some retirement savings. Now, every once in a while, you know, the stock market goes bad and you're having the wrong time and whatever. But generally, that's a good principle to walk in, right? Give, save, live. If you orient your life that way, you're going to do pretty well. You can get into a lot of nuance and detail, but really, you're going to do pretty well, right? Other principles, I mean, principles for relationships, right? A gentle answer turns away wrath. If you've ever known an angry, bitter person that every time, like, picks a fight, guess what? A gentle answer turns away wrath. Does that mean you're never going to get picked on and beat up? No. But generally, it's worked pretty well. Principles, wisdom. Aligning your life with wisdom, and one of the best things you can do is just ask, what is the wise choice in this situation? God, I need wisdom. And boom, oftentimes they'll show you, right? Another way is your conscience. Just that simple thing that you know what's right and wrong in a situation. Now, a conscience can be seared, which means from completely ignoring or pushing back on it, a conscience can be seared, or a conscience of a culture can be seared from, com- from completely walking away from God. But God speaks to you through your conscience, right? And then God speaks to us through Scripture. I think this is one of the primary ways God speaks to us today, the primary way. He's recorded his word for us. He's preserved it for thousands of years, and he speaks to us through Scripture. Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
Later on it says, uh, your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. And when you read and understand Scripture, God's going to speak to you through Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so that's why we're, we're so intent on getting you, uh, on preaching the scriptures around here. We, our goal is to be um, biblically serious and responsive to the Holy Spirit. That's our goal. That we're serious about teaching the word of God. Because why? It, 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 it's God-breathed. He gave it to us for instruction. And sometimes the reason that God doesn't seem to be answering your question is because he's already answered it. You just need to pick up the book. That's why we encourage you almost every year at the beginning of the year, hey, this would be a great year to read through the scriptures. You never done it? Why don't you try it? You don't have to wait till the beginning of the year. You can start today. I think we still have some Bible challenges out on the spotlight counter out there. We encourage you to get into scriptures. And, and part of the reason we encourage you to read the whole Bible, instead of just like picking a verse here and here, is so that you understand um, the bigger picture of the story. That's what we're try- always trying to do. And that's why I know I'm a history nerd and I give you so much history and it bores some of you and your eyes roll back in your head. Because you've got to understand the story in context. Otherwise, you can make the scriptures say anything you want them to say. You just pick a verse out here, pick a verse out here, pick a verse out here. Like the verse we saw last week. I'm about ready to do something amazing, something blow your mind. Amen. Claim that verse. What are you doing? Raising up Babylon to come destroy you. Oh, I want to pull that one out of context. I like it better out of context, don't you? It's so important to know the whole scripture of God. Paul says, I did not shrink back from preaching to you the whole counsel of God. That's why you got to get into scripture. It's, it's so you won't drink the Kool-Aid. Anybody remember that phrase? Most of you are too young in the room. I'm too young in the room. I just learned about it. There was a, a cult leader named Jim Jones, and apparently he deceived a bunch of people, and they drank poison Kool-Aid, and they all thought they were going to go to a spaceship or something. Yeah, so don't drink the Kool-Aid. Um, we serve coffee, not Kool-Aid here, and the coffee is safe, so you can drink that. But that's why you, it's, it's so important to understand Scripture because God will never speak in opposition to what he's already revealed in his word. So, so when your crazy friend says something and you're like, I don't think that is actually, um, have you looked at this first? It's like, oh, yeah, I think maybe you need to, maybe, that might have been the pizza, bro. Just saying, that one might have been the pizza, right? So God speaks to us through Scripture. God speaks to us through Jesus. <laughs> this is what I, I think is so important. In fact, if you've never re- read the Scriptures, like if you're just starting out your, your faith journey, um, or never even read through any of the Scripture, maybe don't just start at the beginning. Actually, maybe read the book of John. And begin to dive into the Gospels and learn about the person of Jesus. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And, and he is God incarnate. So as he comes to this earth and as we read his words and see how, who, his character and who he is, he reveals to us who God is. He speaks to us through Jesus, right? 
And he speaks to us through the prompting of the Holy Spirit. He says, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you put your faith and trust in him. And the Holy Spirit communicates and guides and leads and prompts and directs. And I just got to say, for many people, you miss it. You miss him because you're not tuned into him. You, you miss him because you're not listening to him. Can I just say that, that if you feel like um, you're going through a season of life and you haven't heard from God, there's a really good chance it's because you haven't been seeking him. I've noticed this pattern in my life. Um, maybe you've noticed it in yours. That when things, are, when I'm like facing a decision or in a struggle and I seek him, he speaks, he guides, he leads. When I think I got all, everything under control and I stop seeking and I stop asking God, what do you have for me today? God, you know, what, what do you want for me in this season? Pretty soon my spiritual life feels dead and dry. The vision goes out the window and you're like, where's God? That's why I say success is more dangerous for most people than struggle. Because struggle naturally gets you to seek God, which I think sometimes is what God is doing in the struggle. He's getting you to seek Him, right? Romans, Paul says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And there's this, this still small voice that the Holy Spirit speaks to you in. Just this, sometimes it's, it, it, it's like, it's hard to describe, right? Sometimes it's like just a thought that you know wasn't your thought. You're like, I, I think that might have been God. And when you're quiet and you seek him, he'll lead you oftentimes. He'll guide you as you pray through a decision. Oftentimes it's just a little thing. Like it's that nudge or, or tap on your shoulder. And when we talk about being responsive to the Spirit, we want you, that to be a daily lifestyle for, for all of us. That we would wake up and go, okay, God, what you have for me today? Let me be responsive to you. That you would walk with him, which means also producing the fruit that only he can produce in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But also it's in those decisions as he says, hey, hey why don't you call so-and-so? You're like, that's kind of a random thought. And you pick up the phone and call them and you find out they're really struggling. You pray for him. And you've both just had this incredible moment where you're like, wow, God, that's crazy. I haven't thought about them in months. That's the prompting of the Holy Spirit, right? Maybe, maybe it's just God plants something in your heart or your mind and, and, and like plants a name. And you're like, uh, it's, it's kind of weird, but uh, what do you think? Maybe God, um, does this mean anything to you? And you share it with somebody. And it's like, you read their mail. I've had countless examples of that happening in people's lives, right? God speaks through the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing about the Holy Spirit and the prompting of the Holy Spirit is you can, you can argue with him until he quiets down. If you don't follow the leading of the Holy Spirit as he prompts you to have those conversations, you know, to be awkward, to open your mouth and just ask somebody, can I pray for you? Or, or to sh open your mouth and share something about Jesus in a situation. And you just keep saying, no, 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 no. Guess what? Eventually he'll kind of go, okay. 
founder of the Vineyard Movement had a saying, I don't know if he coined it, but the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. You got to listen. You got to be responsive to the Holy Spirit. Some of you are here today because of the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Some of you tuned in today online because you just felt like there was just nudge. Maybe you haven't been to church in months or years, but you just felt this nudge. I believe that's the Spirit drawing you. If you listen, if you're attentive, He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to direct you. Um, God speaks to us through other people, through wise the counsel of other people. And maybe you've had the experience of praying and struggling with a decision, and you're not getting anywhere. You, you know, the body of Christ, all, all of the New Testament, uh, we have another phrase around here, one anothering, all of the New Testament, um, there's so many of these phrases that we do one another, like we're supposed to encourage each other, speak into each other's lives. And you take this struggle you're having, and you share it with somebody that also loves Jesus, and they go, well, here's what you need to do. And it's like, just like clicks, and you're like, oh, of course, why didn't I see that? Or you share something, and somebody's like, hey, be cautious there. You may not see this. And you're like, oh, you're right. I never thought of it that way. And you avoid some serious pain in life. You know, listening to those people that love you in your life can often save you serious pain, especially kids. Listen up. Not just kids, but youth, young adults. Listening to somebody who's been around the block one or two times more than you can save you years of pain. If you listen, God speaks to us through other people. Sometimes it's like a little more dramatic where God specifically, like I just mentioned, shows somebody something that's like, well, you read my mail. That's really creepy. Are you out like stalker going through my mail? I had an experience when, when God was first prompting us on church planning, and there were some really kind of weird things that was just sort of like, hmm, that's odd, that getting our attention, right? Um, as I'm praying about church planning, I have this friend of ours who also kind of told me I was going to, not told me I was going to meet, but said, hey, you should meet this girl, like when she lived in Cyprus, and then she comes back, and I, we put two and two together. I married her. Um, this same person like, leaves this random voicemail. We've been like thinking about planning a church. Hey, I was just cleaning out my closet, and I found this church planning manual, and I thought about Tim. It's like, oh, that's weird. And so we're really struggling through, God, are you speaking to us here? Is this like you're prompting? Or is this just some weird thing? Um, are you leading us to do this? Kind of excited about the idea. And I'm up at this worship conference with a bunch of guys that love Jesus. And, and uh, see, I'm skeptical, right? And so I'm like, I'm with these guys, and I know how some of these weird guys that always think they have a direct hotline to God, you know, are. And so I'm not giving them any ammo, no information, but I'm really struggling with this. I really need to hear from you, God. And as we're going around, the guy next to me in the circle in line looks over at me and goes, I feel like God's saying, you've been hearing him, but you're questioning you're hearing him, and he wants you to know you're hearing him. Does that mean anything to you? I'm like, well, yes, it does. I got to, I got to see that guy um, about a, a year, year and a half ago at this conference, and it's a cool thing, pastor down in El Paso, so hadn't seen him in eight years, more than that. So anyway, sometimes God speaks to you in ways like that, and sometimes God will use you to speak to other people and, and, and lead and guide other people. 
And that stuff is useful, but it's never a replacement for you getting God's leading on your own. For you understanding in Scripture and you praying Him and seeking Him and have a sense of where He's leading you, God will oftentimes confirm that through other people. But but don't just take that. Allow that to be a confirmation. Seek God on your own, right? And finally, God speaks to us in many, many other ways. Sometimes those are like impressions where you just have a sense of something, like this is the, the way to go. Scripture says this is the way, walk in it. You just have a sense like that. I think this is the right thing to do. I have an impression, and that's the Holy Spirit. Um, sometimes, literally, you'll see a picture in your mind. Bible, God speaks in dreams and visions. Um, my dad, I've told you this story many times, so I'll make it short, but my dad, as he's praying, um, he's a college, young college professor, he's praying, and he sees a big screen TV before the days when they had them, a big screen TV in his mind as he's praying in his mind's eye, and it says, pray for Robert. And later found out Robert was locked in his room with the gas pipe off, and another professor saw the same thing that said, go see Robert, and saved Robert and perhaps many more people that day. Wow, that's crazy. How do you explain that away? I don't know. So that's why I say, like, I'm skeptical too, but then God has spoken to me and done things in my life. I'm like, I... I don't have another good explanation for that. Other than that's God. And why not? He's alive. He's active. History shows us. He guides. He leads. He's a God who cares about you. He's a good father. Wouldn't a good father want to communicate with you in the situation that you're in? Um, The founder of Youth with a Mission, his name's Lauren Cunningham, a guy in a ministry that's really impacted my life over the years. His ministry launched when he saw God gave him like a vision, a moving picture in his mind of waves of young people washing over continents. And that's what he founded, Youth with a Mission. And today, Youth with a Mission is the largest non-denominational missions organization in the world, has sent out hundreds and thousands of missionaries into the world and probably impacted millions upon millions of lives And millions upon millions of brothers and sisters will be in heaven because of it. Isn't that awesome? Why was that? Because God communicated to him in a very unique way, and he obeyed what God was speaking to him. Um, Sometimes even God uses things that feel weird. Like, have you noticed in the Bible he used a donkey to talk to somebody, to a prophet Balaam? That would get your attention about the only thing that could get this awful prophet's attention. Right? He has the prophet Ezekiel who tells him to do something really weird. Lay on your side for how long? Let's see, for 40 days. And then he wanted him to bake some Ezekiel 4-9 bread over animal dung. Kind of odd. And the three people chuckling are the health food nuts in the room. I can always... Every time I say that scripture reference, I know who they are. Right? I, I have this crazy story. Um, I'm in my 20s. I'm down leading a missions team, doing worship. And uh, we have this time where, like, these youth in high school just kind of gather in a circle and we're praying. And the whole idea is to sort of wait and see if God will show you anything and what he wants us to do. Then we're just going to go out and see what God does and see if he uses us to minister to people. And uh, I'm like, all right, this is kind of weird. 
like, they said, just everybody wait on God. And all of a sudden, these, like, young high school kids start seeing, like, well, I saw this. I saw this train with the box card, you know, the number 12. I saw this. I'm like, all right, this is just weird, right? So we jump in this van. I'm supposed to be the spiritually mature one, and I'm just like, this is weird. And we're driving down the the road, and all of a sudden, the kids start going, oh, hey, that's what I saw. Oh, hey, that's what I saw. And long story short, it leads us eventually to this house where they get out, they knock on the door, and there's a lady there. They end up praying with her, I believe, to receive Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, I don't know. I don't know. God can speak in an audible voice. I've never heard it, but I know people that have. Sounds kind of freaky to me. Like you've heard the story in the, in the uh, scripture, like Samuel, Samuel, right? It's like, ooh, that's kind of scary. But God was raising him up to do great things. Sometimes it's, it's things that are just a little too odd to be a coincidence. I've told you before about when we were just praying about starting this church and really struggling, like, God, is now the time? Like, we were thinking of doing this a couple of years down the road, and now you're saying now, and it's scary. I'm scared. And I was praying, and um, I don't necessarily recommend this method, uh, but as I'm praying, I'm parked in front of this little event center, going, God, is now the time? Are we really supposed to do this? And I'm like, all right, you're not speaking to me. I have the radio, turn the radio on, and before I even get like 60 seconds or so away, a radio spot comes on saying, now is the time. Now is the time. So this is it five times during this little radio spot. I'm like, what? And so I'm flipping all week long. I'm flipping the radio on trying to hear this, going, that's just weird. Is that you, God? I think God has a sense of humor sometimes, right? So a week later, I distinctly remember, I'm like, okay, it's go time. We got to either do this or not. We had to make a deposit on the space. God, is this you? And I just feel this, I'm praying in my office, I feel this strong sense, go home right now. And like, it was so strong, I'm like, worried something is wrong at home. So I go right to my car, avoid talking to anybody on the way, jump in my car, and as I'm pulling out, the radio's on, (laughs) And as I, our way, no, I'm like, uh, <laughs> I just feel like God said, turn, turn on the radio. I'm like, come on, we've been playing this game all week, uh, you know. I turn on the radio before I even get out of the parking lot. There, that spot comes on again. And it was like, okay, that's strange. Can I prove that was God? No, but it was a little too odd to be a coincidence, wasn't it? So you got to listen to God. You got to listen to God. That's the first thing. I hope some of those things will help you as you seek God. The last two things, very quickly, are these. The Lord's answer. The Lord replied, verse 2, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. You have to write it down. God was very interested that the scriptures that he was speaking to Habakkuk would be communicated and recorded as he inspired them so that, well, 2,700 years later, here we are. And he's encouraging us in the situations we are in life through the scripture that he recorded all this time ago. Isn't that amazing? And here, I think this is such a valuable lesson to learn, is that when God is leading you, or even when you're struggling and praying through a situation, it's so helpful to write it down. 
Otherwise, what happens if you don't write it down and record what you feel like God's leading you to um, is, is you second guess it. You go, well, I don't really think that wasn't really God. Or, or you, you just can't remember it. Writing it down is so helpful. I think journaling is a powerful is a powerful tool in our lives. Writing your prayers down is very powerful. I've been amazed as we've done small group over the years and we would just like write down our prayer requests and you go back and look at like the prayers God's answered. And it's like, whoa, that's amazing. Otherwise you just forget. You move on with life. Have you noticed like guys, you can't even go to the grocery store without forgetting like two of the three things your wife sent you to go get? That's me. I'm like, well, I got the milk. Did you get the eggs? Oh, oh. Eggs? Oh, yeah. No? But check out this steak. <laughs> True story right there. If you don't write it down, you forget. So he tells the prophet, write it down. I, I, I read another journal entry, and it's so encouraging to me. Check this out. This was the, the fall after I wrote that other really depressing one. I said, Father, you sustained us through the summer and cemented us as a community. I didn't have to call and beg my friends to come. God got us through the summer somehow. Thank you. Now, after a major effort and push through September, it feels like it's all in vain. It feels like it isn't gaining any traction. Our Facebook advertising, our video feels like it's all for naught. Lord, confirm the work of your hands. Lord, we've been praying for a few families with young kids to join life community. We continue to pray for that. How long must we wait? Will you answer? You know why I'm glad I wrote that down? Because uh, maybe a month later, this family over here, now with all these big grown-up kids, decided they wanted to come to a church so they could ski on Sunday. And God drew them there. And they were the first. And then God drew a few more kids here. Have you looked around here? And I look and go, wow, God, the things we prayed for and believed you for, now we're seeing generations impacted like we dreamed of seeing and kids finding Jesus and youth. I mean, you guys should drive by here sometime on a Wednesday night. It's amazing. And this last Friday night, we had our first like official church meeting of, of uh, Zeo, our college young adult ministry here. They had a packed, <laughs> a bunch of people in a room right over here, one of our units. It's so cool to see how God is impacting the next generation. And when you write it down, you go back and you see God is faithful. He's answering. He's leading. And he's bringing you to it. Write it down. Write it down. Why? Verse 3. For the revelation of weights and appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove False. That what God has written in Scripture, it will not prove false. The things He's promised, they will happen. They will happen. Jesus said, He's coming back. He's coming back. Jesus said, Babylon's going to fall. Babylon fell without a fight. God prophesied 70 years after they're taken into captivity, they'll come back. God raised up a man named Cyrus, and they came back into the land. What He's spoken will happen. He will do it. He will do it. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Wait on God. That's the, that's the third thing. Wait on God. You got to wait on Him. How many of you like waiting? 
Not a hand went up in the room. We're a culture that likes microwaves and sod. (laughs) We don't like to wait. God says, though it linger, wait on it. And here's the thing. I, I, I don't know, and it's tricky sometimes because sometimes the things you think you hear from God, you heard it wrong. That happens, right? That's why um, avoid ever using terms, or if somebody uses these terms, be very cautious, like, thus saith the Lord. Whoa, you know they stoned prophets that were false in the Old Testament, right, bro? I'm much more comfortable saying, I don't know, like, I think God may be saying this to you. Does that mean anything to you? Ding, ding, ding. Yes, it does. Okay, thank you. Sometimes you hear wrong. Sometimes it's just wishful thinking. I remember one time I was young, and I don't recommend this method. There's this girl at camp. She was really cute. And so I'm like, God, can I marry her? Nope, that's not the right scripture. Don't do that. Sometimes it's just wishful thinking, right? But here's the thing. When it's God's that's spoken it, Now, the other thing is sometimes it involves your obedience in an area. You know, some of the times you don't hear from God because you you got an area of rebellion that he's calling you to deal with. Or you just became apathetic, so you don't seek him anymore, right? Sometimes there's an area of obedience in your life. But, but when it's him and you're faithful and you're, you're walking in obedience and it's really him, guess what? He's going to bring it to pass. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Guess what? You can put that in the bank. He says he's going to come again. But at some point, the struggles and the trials that you're going through today in the grand scheme of God's eternal time frame will have a meaning and a purpose, even though you can't see it right now. You got to wait on him. You got to wait on him. And what do you do while you wait? Got to come back next week. Because we're going to really dig into that. And five attitudes that can keep us from hearing God and connecting closely and intimately with God. But let me just give you a teaser. You got to trust and be faithful while you wait. You just be faithful. You do the thing that you know He's called you to do, you trust Him. You trust him in faith. Even though I don't see this, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my next foot in front of the other and just keep walking towards you. And I'm going to trust you. I don't understand the circumstance. I'm in pain. This hurts. I'm going to keep seeking you. I'm going to keep waiting on you. And in the meantime, I'm going to be faithful where you called me. What do you do when you don't understand? You listen to God. You write it down. And you wait on God. What do you do while you wait? You trust him and be faithful.